dedication, discipline, passion, sacrifice, rise and rise again. Welcome to Any Given Chance. The man, he's back. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, good. Welcome back. Any Given Chance podcast, passion, sacrifice, what goes on behind the scenes. And we are repurposing everyone. We've got the man in charge. He was the number one downloaded last time with a thousand views. Breaking the internet. How good. My man, Jag, how are you? Yeah, good, brother. It's good to be back. It's been a while since the last time I uh, come on, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. A couple of years. So COVID hit. Everything went crazy. Lots changed. Oh, lots changed. I I actually wish I just kept going and just persevering with it. But It's a bit of a journey. Work got involved and I was doing the fitness app at the same time. And I was doing like four other things and something had to go. And I thought after doing your story and doing Maddie Brumby's story and a couple of other people, I thought, wow, if people are willing to share these stories and these moments within their life, then I've got to do it right. I can't be half-assed in this. And not that it was half-assed, but you know, I was just happy to just do a podcast and sit down and talk with someone. That's it. But when I started going on those journeys and doing that with everyone, I was like, wow, this needs more time and more appreciation. Lo and behold, we've got a podcast manager now, Alou Apollo. She's unbelievable in the background doing everything. So no, it'll be good to see. And we get to produce all that content now, all the, you know, the, the five yeah. second gimmies, the 10 second yeah. sound bites. So get your sound bite on, bud. Yeah, that's it. But what's been going on in your world, man? What's been uh, happening? The old saying, same old, going around in circles. But um, obviously, since last time I come on, yeah, it's been a bit of a ride, a bit of a journey. A lot's happened. Obviously, last time we spoke, we touched base on a lot of things. Obviously, with riding and that, pretty much just been busy riding. But a lot of things have changed too. Like I did majority of my riding for Michael Costa, and that was sort of my stable that I rode for. Since then, he's packed up shop and got an awesome opportunity over in Dubai, which he's killing it. Fortunately for me, I sort of had to then go looking for more opportunities. So I was sort of left, I wouldn't say left on my own, but I sort of lost my main support. So since then, it's been a bit of a grind, just slogging it out, trying to find opportunities trying to find that stable that can give me what Michael Costa could. He was propping himself up too. So he just done the hard yards. He came up here, he set up shop, he'd been through the shit and he was starting to get like a few supporters. He was starting to get money in from, you know, proper guys so he could buy good stock. And then you're on the back of that being one of the main stable riders, which was epic. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, I've got to go. He said that in an interview as well. He goes, it was just too good good of an offer to not go. I've got another mate who's over in Dubai at the moment building. He's ringing me. He goes, get over here. He goes, this place is insane. He goes, yeah. he's going to be making billionaires. He goes, you just need to come and you'll yeah. get, you'll make a million bucks. Easy. Crazy, so, eh? Yeah. No waves though. But yeah, like you said, he's too good of an opportunity. Like he was just making a name for himself here. Everything he was doing here was incredible. His stats were just through the roof. I had a belief that in 18 months time, if he had stayed here, he would have been competing in the top five trainers in town with a bit more stock behind him bit better class of horses and more owners, I think he really would have dominated and I was clinging on to that to wait to hopefully maybe that could take me to that stage. But obviously now he's over there, he's killing it, he's smashing it. Like his first season over there, I read the things that he did and achieved and it's just crazy. Like he's a bit of a freak. But what about that? Like if you're one of those Prince Shakes coming over, how how do you pick Costa out of the bunch? Like how did he get, I don't know. But congratulations to the men over there. But it was weird because you were hitting your straps as well. You come out of this podcast with us. We're talking, we're all on this like zone, like I'm going to fucking conquer the world. 
And I watched you do it. I watched you come out and you started ripping into training and you changed your diet and your energies levels went up and then you were fighting and then you were in the gym like getting put on muscle and everything, yeah. every one of your photos. So it must have been something like just not a reality check, but when the world has you up here, it usually yeah. has a way of just saying, hey. Come back, come yeah, back. guess what? But yeah, it was just a, it was a stage in my career where like I was riding a lot of winners. I wasn't riding a lot in the Metropolitan, but. I was riding a lot of Saturday winners at the Provincials and obviously Costa was putting me on it nearly every single one of his horses and we were just having a good bit of luck and I what followed that was me putting in good work and I always thought maybe the luck's coming from the work that I'm putting in. So I sort of stuck deep and started training with a PT at Never Quit in Bundle, Jack Jeffries, and I was training, God, sometimes twice a day in the gym, just a lot of cardio, a little bit of strength. And I was probably in probably the best shape of my career, I reckon. Like I got super fit. I've always had trouble with my weight. The weight didn't come down too much because I, whatever sort of fat I was losing, not that there's much there, but whatever fat I was losing, I was probably putting back on in muscle, just toning up. But it was the fittest I'd ever been. I was riding. I thought I was riding good and everything just fell into place. And then went into, um, I got a bit deep in the animal-based diet, like carnivore, started following Paul Saladino. And I just read into a lot of it. And as a jockey, it's a lot of our diets, trial and error. You try something for a bit, doesn't work, try something else. And then because we're making weight week in, week out, it's hard to find a balance. So I dug into that and tried that. And I started doing that pretty solidly. Like 98% of my diet was animal-based, didn't touch anything else. And for the first four to six weeks, I noticed a dramatic change like instantly. Like I was riding track work at 3.30 in the morning, come home. And I was just ready to train. Like I had so much energy. I was up here all the time. And then I noticed my physical and mentally shape was just way better. And I was like clear clarity. I felt like, sounds funny saying it, but I like felt like, I literally felt like an animal. Like I was like thriving. And I was like, how good is this? And I was, the more I noticed the change, the more deep I got into it. So I was watching podcasts. I was reading. I was doing everything. And I was trying to get my mates on it. Like, oh, what are you eating that for? Get on this. I was really opinionated, but it was also like I noticed how much I felt different. I was pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And God, I've got memories pop up on my phone from when I started and I've been on that diet now for nearly over a year. I've stuck pretty solid. I do go off. I'm a bit lenient now, like on days off where if I ride and I've got a couple of days off, I might touch something else. But I'd say, yeah, 85 to 90% of my diet's all animal-based. I remember when I was like deep into it, like deep. The problem with it that I found is if you did change or anything like that, like I had a, can't remember what it was. It was a bad salmon one day or it was a, I had a lettuce leaf with it. You oh, know, I've just, got a story to tell you. Yeah, just to break it up. And it derailed me for like three weeks. And I mean, I was like perfect. Or I had one of Ellie's little low carb chocolate bars and I was, yep. I gave in, I was just like, bang. And man, it rattled me like I was just like, what's going on? What are you doing? Yeah. It was a lot worse than getting on a four day bender. Yeah. So the first six weeks, first thing I cut out was, I'll admit on here that I still had the odd lolly or chocolate race days when I was losing weight. Cause I found when I was cutting weight, Obviously, your body's drained and I craved that sugar and it wasn't like on a race day I could go and have a steak. The only thing I'd do to like keep my sugar levels up and feel all right was snack on a lolly or something. That was the only time I touched it. Otherwise, if I on any day where I could eat, it was just protein, fruit, fats from like I was having like geese and 
I was having like all sorts of things. Six weeks in, I hadn't touched a lettuce leaf or a vegetable. And then I went out bowling on a Saturday night or something. I think I had to ride on the Sunday. And anyway, I was going to get dinner and I thought, oh, it's too, like when you start eating that kind of diet, you realize this, you can't go out to eat because everything is just. Unless you go into a steakhouse. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So we were at bowling and I'm hungry. I'm looking at the menu. I'm going, there's nothing on here I can eat. Like I'm not getting a hot dog or a cheeseburger. And I thought, I haven't had a salad or a vegetable for like six weeks. I thought, I'll get a Caesar salad. It's healthier than the hot dog. So anyway, we're at bowling. I've had this Caesar salad and we've gone home and an hour or two later, I was crooking the guts and just, I went to bed, woke up a couple of hours later. I was like, no, nah, I'm not well. Anyway, my stomach had like lost, what do you call it? All the acidity. Yeah. So yeah, I had like all the a, levels, I had all the a microbiome. So I had a low tolerance to it and I was in the shower for hours spewing everywhere. And that's happened to me twice now. I had a chicken wrap one day and I didn't want to be that guy that rips up and pulls all the lettuce out. So I ate it and same thing, I've spewed everywhere. Yeah. So every time I've touched lettuce or like a leafy mix, I've just can't tolerate it. So I haven't touched it again. I've touched it twice in about the two times I touched it in the last 14 months is I've spewed from it. So I yeah. in my diet, I'll still, I'll add in the odd vegetable occasionally. I do add in a little bit of pumpkin and maybe the odd green beans and carrots, but it's pretty crazy. Like stay pretty clear of it all. Oh, I remember that just being intense and I was filthy with myself. Like I'd done something like completely wrong or I'd been, got too drunk on the piss and I was like just angry with myself yeah. and it derailed me. And I remember just me weight and everything, me training and all that just came crashing down for like a month and I nearly had to hit, re- and I mean, I was absolutely flying, peaking, like running nearly under three hour marathons and all that. I was like 89, 90 kilos, loving life. And you know, for me to get there, I've got this like a, I don't know, ingrained mentality of rugby league of eat, 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 get big, get big. And to go with my ADHD, like a dopamine response from food, I don't have a stop, think, do. It's do, think, stop. That yeah. way, do. Oh, should I be doing that? Oh, no. Let's yeah. go. You know, just backwards. When you're in that carnival zone and your body's loving it and it's feeling it and you're getting all those right foods, holy fuck. It yeah. is another level of, and people don't understand because they don't do it properly. No. But I was like you. I was just pushing everything. I was like, you, what, fuck carbs. Fuck this. Look, I can run a marathon without one bit of carb if they fat adapted. Yeah. The first thing I did was cut out all the, the processed carbs like grains. So I was, didn't touch like breads, pastas, rice, nothing for like the first three months, didn't touch it. And I thought as a jockey, my weight comes from like the bloating, which I thought always come from the carbs, like the breads and pastas. Holding water retention. Yeah. After a Saturday at the races, if I had Sunday off, I'd go on a Sunday morning, get a coffee and a bit of a pastry and whatever. And instantly your body just absorbs everything. And I felt bloated and that's where all the weight come from. So when I cut that out, it was crazy to, even when I was eating breakfast, lunch, dinner on a day off with just protein and fats, I was staying lean and like heaps of energy. And then as a jockey, I always feared carbs. So like I always wanted to add the fruit in, but I always stuck to very minimal because I was worried about it. Just over time with trial and error, like obviously I was peaking, peaking, and then I got to a point where I almost was doing too much yeah. and I burnt out a little bit. If anything, like my weight was good, I was fit, but I wasn't getting any lighter and I was like ripped enough that like when I was trying to cut down, it was like I had nothing else to cut down. Yeah. With a bit of time, like trial and error, like changed a few things up now and now I'm actually, because I was eating probably too much protein, I found that. I love the steak and the red meat, and that's probably like the heaviest 
dense type of protein. And I thought I was probably, if anything, starting to bulk a little bit. So I cut back on the protein and started to add a lot more fruit in, fruit and honey and getting all my carbs from the fruit. Now I eat fruit for breakfast, lunch and dinner and I'll have the minimal protein just to, enough to get by from what my body needs. Well, this is exactly how it should be, sports specific. Yeah. You're a jockey. You're not a bodybuilder. You're not running marathons like I'm trying to do where just the more protein I can get in yeah. is the faster I can recover so I can train more so I can run further. <clears throat> you need to be and have enough energy and have enough, like you said, not too much protein where your body's going, how good's this? Let's, let's, yeah. let's grow. Especially with the training you do because you're doing a lot of movement training, a lot of resistance training. And it doesn't matter what you do. If you add resistance training to your muscles and you've added extra protein into there, they're going to want to grow. That's just yeah. natural. Yeah. Thing, so, so I'd like I said, with just playing around with a few things, it's more so the last probably two months of I think I've really mastered it. And it's on days where I'm not racing for a couple of days, I'll always have the red meat, get enough protein in me. But then when I have races coming up, I'll really cut back on the red meat. I'll stick to fish or chicken, a lot of eggs, but mainly adding in a lot of fruit. Like I'll eat a whole watermelon. Before, like six months ago, I was like, oh, I'm eating too much carbs. But now I've almost trained my body to, because I didn't eat much carbs. When I did, I kept thinking, oh, my body's holding on to it. So now I feel like I've kind of trained my body to use those carbs in a good way. Yeah. And because I'm having less protein, I've, the last probably two months, I've, the weight's been the best it's ever been. I was, obviously, I can't ride the lighter weights because I'm still a little bit heavier than some, but I probably, my minimum riding weight, the last year or two has probably been 56. Yeah. I went through a phase there where even when I was training in the gym and doing boxing every day, eating well, I was still only just kind of making the 56. Yeah. And then that's when I started to tinker a few little things, change up a few things. I've really backed off the training in the gym and now obviously eating what I need to, but no more. Like I only eat enough protein just to satisfy what I need. And then the rest is just all fruit, like the water-based watermelon because I can eat a lot of it high volume yeah low caloric foods yeah so a lot of people don't know that they just high caloric food you eat three nuts or you can eat a whole watermelon legitimately like that's about the same tablespoon of peanut butter or you know nearly a whole watermelon and now like because I'm eating so much of it my body's like processing it and not holding on to it as much and I kind of fueled my body from that and because it's all a lot of it's water-based too I find when I stock up on that Coming up, leading into the races, I'm energized. I've got enough protein to what I need, but then also my body's flushing out a lot of the fluids. Yes, uh, I'm getting in the sauna and ripping off ridiculous weight quickly, and but feeling good still. Like I'm feeling the flow. Yeah, and I'm. Yeah. I've the last couple of months I've been riding 56 comfortably, and I've been getting to the races every day kilo lighter than what I need to be, just to give myself room to snack on fruit through the day, yeah, have good. a drink. How that's completely different to where you were, man. You were rinse and repeat. I remember yeah. in the first podcast, it was like, Yeah, I've got to do this, and I and then I've got to get down two kilos tomorrow. And then if I go up there, I hit 60 again. And- yeah, so I think last time I spoke to you, I was hovering through the week at about the 60 mark. I actually ended up getting up to midweek, like if I wasn't riding on the midweek meeting by like Monday, Tuesday, I was getting up to around 61, some days 62. And like, it's just ridiculous trying to go from 62 to 56 week in, week out. But now I've found a balance where at worst, if I have a blowout on a Saturday night or something, I'll get to 60. But by Monday, Tuesday, I'm straight back to yeah. 58 and a half, 59 ease. 
and that's still like I could be stricter. Like so, if on a day if I'm riding early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, I know what to do. Like I know what I can do on the weekend, what I do, and I like I rode fifty six and a half yesterday on a Tuesday, and yeah, it's just easy doing it a breeze, doing it easy and doing it with energy. Yeah, which then in turn translates into winners. Yeah, so So I'm just feeling a lot better. Going to the races a lot clearer, not killing myself. My minimum is still 56 at the moment because I think while it's comfortable, I don't want to push it too much. But I think if I keep doing what I'm doing over time shortly, I think I can really get back down to riding lighter weight. Play the long game. Like you said, it doesn't need to happen this week, okay? Let's just build into it. Let's get a few rides happening. Let's do that. And then, oh, guess what, guys? I can ride at 55 now. Oh, guess what, guys? I can ride at 54 now and have that plan and that long-term goal. And like you said, you've figured it out and how to work it, how to do it. It's weird, like oh, we speak about like your gut microbiome and how it changes and how it yep. adapts to you are what you eat. I spun the boys out on the Eat, Sleep, Repeat podcast when I told them I run marathons on zero carbohydrates. And they're just like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, but that for me, when I was losing weight, I go into a ketosis. Yep. So, you know, your protein levels have to be a certain level. I burn fat for fuel and your body adapts to burning fat for fuel. Now, if you stay in a certain zone, obviously not in your aerobic 180 yeah. heartbeat zone, it'll burn fat for fuel. It'll continue to tick over there. And if you've trained it to tick over there during the week, and there's a really good podcast on the performance show. He's a physio over here. What's his name? Can't remember, but he has great. He has triathletes. He has everyone on. But there's a, I think it's Dan... And he talks about saving your carbohydrates in long distance races for, because your body can only store 2000 calories worth it, hold it in your liver and everything like that. Saving it for the back end of the race, training your body to use fat for fuel during the week. And then on race day, having it go, okay, I know what these carbohydrates coming in from fruits are going to be able to give me my peak performance. So. I've changed my tune a bit. Carbs aren't the enemy, but I've also, I'm a still a million turn believer in what carbohydrates and where you get them from and also that fat for fuel and living like, if you just do it properly for six months and a year, you'd never want to go back. Yes. The one thing I do is always try and encourage someone to try it, mm. but to try it, like don't do it half ass. If you do it all in, I guarantee everyone that has a crack will reap the benefits out of it like a, and that's got to let go of the sources you got to let yeah. go of half the most of the rubs you know yeah. you got to to get started you have to go all in yeah like and like i was like i still did the whole time i was doing it i still did like i said have the odd chocolate or lolly on race days or when i was starting to cut weight but other than that like same thing as you just said before like i always feared carbs but i realized that i can have the carbs but it's what carb i have mm. so i still don't eat the breads, pastas, because as soon as I have those refined carbs, my body just bloats. Yeah. So I'm at a stage now where on a Saturday night after the races, I might have a little bit of rice on like a special occasion. I might have, if we go out for a restaurant, I'll have a yeah. pasta or what. But my body, and even when I have that one meal, straight after, I just feel like, oh, I don't feel great after it. Like I instantly feel yeah. like it just feel like sit, shit. Yeah, it just sits there. How good is it when you're eating it though? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same, mate. I am a piggy for pizza, pasta and all that. It's just oh, my go-to. I think, what else? Hot chips. Like I used to, when I was playing up North Queensland, rugby league, I trained, so I was so strict in everything I did, like ridiculous. But my one thing on Sunday afternoon after training all week, playing all weekend, I'd go get a small KFC chips, 
And I'd yeah. load that fucker up with salt like that and I would open it up and then ask the boys, they'd come and watch. I used to get a crowd to like yeah. jump in the car to go watch me to go get small KFC chips and just engulf them in two bites. Yeah. Now, like, oh, fuck, I'm in the midst of it as well, like trying to get back that balance, trying to, you yeah. know, especially the work-life balance. We were so inundated. Like you lost Michael Costa. All right, and I was just speaking about it with you just off air there, and like oh, we just lost half our work in the building industry because we're wrapped up in the Porter Davis, and it takes a toll. It makes you think you're going to have less work and there's less things to do, but no, you got to work harder in the yeah. background now. So when you lost Mickey, now you got to represent yourself to all these trainers because you were committed to Michael that you didn't give them attention, and even though everyone knows you can ride and all that, the opportunity might be closed because they've made a commitment to someone else. That's yeah. what it is now. It's just. Trying to branch myself and put myself out there to find that next stable and not necessarily lock myself in again, but not that I was locked into Costa, but putting all my eggs not in one basket. Trying to, and I'm still now, like, I'm still getting good support off these good trainers. Obviously, Annabelle took over and she's been giving me good support around the provincials. What's she like as a person? Never met her. I haven't had a lot to do with her personally. Just the stable? Yeah, just the stable. I've met her a couple of times when she's up here from Sydney. Lovely girl easy to ride for the stable up here really good obviously they've got Brody lawyers they're sort of stable rider so i'm just working in there off the back of him whatever sort of they've got there i can ride but um yeah it's just still trying to find someone or find that opportunity it's weird because you need someone to a trainer to want to be a michael costa as well it'd be good to spread yourself out but a lot of these guys only have 10 horses in work or yeah. they might have 20 or, or a certain number or they're happy doing that within their life. They've got that balance. Where Mickey was like, all right, I'm going after things. You know, he, he was on an upward spiral as well. So it's, it's a different kettle yeah. of fish or cattle. Of- I just think to get to, I'm definitely not where I want to be. Mm. Like I'm sort of riding enough winners and getting winners at the provincial circuits. But like as a jockey, you want to be in the metropolitan. So yeah. I just want to, like I've got my goal this season to sort of fight out the Gold Coast Premiership with Noel Callow. We're sort of going neck and neck at the minute. Bailey Wheeler's young apprentice who's riding a lot yeah, of winners. Wasn't he down south? Yeah, so he was apprenticed with Chris Lees yeah. down south and then he's come up here. I'm not sure whether he's here for good or if he's on here for a loan or not, yeah. but I'm not sure whether he maybe, before he goes to the Metros, goes back down to Sydney. Yeah, he um, can ride too. Yeah, he's a good young rider and yeah. that poly track, him and the poly track suit well. Yeah. He's just riding a stack of winners. So yeah. This year's premiership will be a good battle. I'd like to try and sort of see that out. And then obviously from there, it's obviously have goals to sort of get back to town. Like I, as a jockey, you want to be there. So yeah, I'm still quite young, so I don't want to be too satisfied in where I'm at. I was, like, I was about to say that. You still got to be hungry. You're not. Yeah. And I, mate, I use Wigo as a token all the time. He's got abundance of talent, but he's yeah. learnt everything. He's been there, done that. He knows the ins and outs of it, and he's found a formula that works for him riding some work in and about there, but going up north and killing it with winners. And he's able to pick and choose and do what he wants off the back of his experience. Now you're in the midst of it now trying to prove you're a number one jockey and you shouldn't be at Wigo's stage. I'm just going to ride for a living now and do that and pick and choose what I want to do and spend time with my family. Exactly your mentality, what you're just talking about. I'm not finished. I'm not done. I've got so much more to offer. So take me there. How do I get there? And yeah, so get there. that's what it is. It's just chasing opportunities and trying to find find those opportunities to get me back there. And it's just when the opportunity's there, it's taking advantage of it. When you speak about finding opportunities, how does that happen? Like so, within the horsing racing industry, what do you have to do? Obviously, you've 
got to be given a go, but then you've got to put the work in to be given the go. So it's all about riding more track work, being seen at the track more often, maybe riding for that one trainer that you usually wouldn't ride for of a morning, just going and put your hand up, offering it, your is, service. Is that all free? Like you don't get paid or you, you get yeah, a track nah, work? No, nah, so track works as a jockey's all free unless you're contracted to a wage to ride for someone, which a lot of jockeys do do. But yeah, track work is all free. It's just freelance. So like I'll now that Annabelle's using me a little bit, I was trying to go up there a couple of days a week and spread myself there, just trying to get Where's back. Where's there? Up Brizzy or something? Up at Eagle Farm. Oh, Eagle Farm. Yeah, yep. so just trying to ride, trying to offer my service to trainers that those bigger name trainers that could maybe one day go, oh, we've got a horse, you can ride it and then take advantage of that. And then all you need is sort of just to get one or two good horses that you can win on mm. to sort of get you there. And Annabelle's done that recently. Like she's got that manhood that I've won one, yeah. in, one in town on and obviously more than number one I won on in, on a Saturday and yep. I actually think I ride him again next Saturday. So it's just horses like that where you can commit yourself to Brisbane and hopefully when you get the good results over time, if you yeah. keep riding enough winners in the Metro Saturday, all then all of a sudden that little bit more opportunity comes and hopefully over time if I can keep grinding it out and then more opportunities, hopefully one day – then I can be like, oh, well, look, I'm riding in Brisbane every Saturday now. So that's all it is. Yeah, and it's once you're in that sort of zone as well and people trust you, bang, it's yeah. very hard to get out of it. You have to really stuff up or really fuck up to, yeah. for you to, after you've done all that work and got there. Like you said, um, it's weird. Like if you're a, a Saturday Metro John, I guess with owners and trainers, it's trust as well. Yeah. It's trust with your horses. It's trust that you're putting in the work behind the scenes. It's trust that you're going to give them the best possible opportunity. It's trust that you need to follow instructions clearly as well. And if you find someone like that to work with, a lot of the, and you see this within Victoria Race, a lot of the time the smaller trainers might jag Craig Williams or someone like that and go, oh, yeah, no, we just don't tell Craig what to do. Not Because nine times a ten, he doesn't listen. Anyway, he's going to do what his own thing. But if you're trying to run your own business, like for me, to have like that sort of output from random people, look, they can ride, they're great riders, don't get me wrong champions, proven champions, but to just lose that control over my business yep. and my company as well, and especially trainers, like you're doing a lot of work behind the scenes with the horses and whatnot, I'd love someone that I just know who's going to be 100% effort, there, show up every day, smile, high yep. five, do everything as well. But as you stated before too, because I have been out of the Metro as an apprentice, like I've gone and rode the occasional horse for Costa and I've got good results there. A lot of the time when I have been to town on a Saturday, I get a winner. And like my strike rate's there and I've produced the winners. But as you said before, obviously everyone, like the door shuts of opportunity, obviously everyone commits themselves to someone. So obviously all those bigger stables now, they're committed to the jockeys that they use. So like you've got the Stephen O'Days, the Gollans, they've all got their three or four jockeys that they use. So for me to come in and sort of expect a go is quite hard. So you just got to. Unless they grow and they need you. So same with like business with work. Okay, we got my couple of, you know, render crews and all that doing our business and then, oh, now we've got enough work or we got another 10 horses, like let's look at bringing someone on. I guess you'd need to be doing a little bit of a sneaky count or something like that. Like, oh, you're getting a bit full, guys. You've got got too much work. Like, I'm here. Hey, guess what? Oh, look, it looks like you've got another five new ones in. Why don't I just jump on one of them for you? It's funny too because I think when you're – it's a funny little click because I think when you're riding at the provincial circuits every week, you get labelled as a provincial rider mm. and it's a bit of a trap. 
So if you're at the Gold Coast every week, no one wants to use you in town. They're more than happy to use you when they've got horses running at the Gold Coast, but you get branded as like a Gold Coast jockey. Well, look at the North Queensland boys, like yep. Justin Stanley, Ash Butler. They can ride. They're yep. really good jockeys, but they're North Queensland jockeys. Yeah. What are you, you doing down here, mate? You get labelled yeah. there. So I think to be in town, you've got to sacrifice everything and be there every week, whether it's one horse, two horses. You've just got to be there every week. And it might take two months, might take four months, but you mm. just got to be there every week, every week. People go, oh, he's been riding in town now. And then that's when someone might need you and go, oh, can you ride this horse? Our jockeys are busy or our jockeys are full. And it's just being there. But at the moment, I'm in a pickle where I'm getting good opportunity at the Gold Coast. And my goal at the moment is to try and win the premiership. So at the moment, it's a bit of a pickle because I don't want to be giving up everything at the Gold Coast right now. I'd 100% wouldn't. I'd be sticking to you because if you start going like this, like what I do, like we spoke about that as well off the podcast trying yep. to do, the fitness app, the podcast previously, all that, like it was just too much. And if you do that to yourself, all goals will just yeah, – Yeah, for the time, like obviously when the opportunity's there on a horse that I think can win, I'll be going to town yeah, for sure. But at the moment, I'm pretty happy just grinding it out at the Gold Coast. Obviously, a goal of mine has been – always to try and win the premiership being a local boy yeah. growing up there so i think this year is a good opportunity we for have me. a party if you do yeah <laughs> <laughs> start celebrating i'll yeah. get you i'll get you like a ufc belt and put it around you yeah so um <laughs> yeah so i really want to i think this year is a good opportunity for me to actually achieve it so yeah. i think i just want to keep working hard obviously riding more work up in brisbane can help also because those trainers will bring horses down here and then also the Gold Coast is growing. The, a lot of renovations are happening. Um, How is that? What about when it's going to be finished? That's oh, going to be insane. It's going to be. A, it's going to be a great facility. Oh man! Did you hear that? Got wind that they were trying to put that wave park in the middle. No, I didn't. didn't you hear that? The surf lakes, the plunge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I was training with the guy who sells them. Like yeah. he sells them all over the world, and he said, "Yeah, look, we're trying to get one in because they got the water infrastructure." And imagine that. Boom. Racing Crazy. straight into like the plunger, into the surfing, build a little yeah. high rise on that back corner. Fuck. Yeah, it's just a unreal location to really take it to another level. Now with all these works going on, it's going to be a top class training facility. It's going to attract more people. It's going to be spectacular for the audience. Like when they put the lights in, Friday night racing, surface paradise in the background. Like it's going to create a huge crowd, and I think it'll really take it to the next level, and it'll make people want to come. The issue has been there's stables. There's not a lot of stables there. Yeah. And the training facilities aren't the best. Now that they're putting in the work and doing it all up, I think more and more trainers are going to want to move here because the lifestyle is great. The balance between work and what you can do outside of work, the location. I think the more and more trainers that come here, there's going to be more opportunities come over time. Well, you look at Sunshine Coast, Caloundra, Corbell Park. Like That's one of the best tracks in Australia, hands down. But it's just not on the Gold Coast. No. You know, so if that thing was, if those stables and, and that track were down here and it's going to be now, like that, what's that Friday night race they got for the Magic Million now? Yeah. It's, like, I, goes, it's a two-day event now. Yeah, so. so I think it might be like the lead-up meeting or something. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure they're planning to do it on the night. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a slot race as well, like yeah. the Everest. So you you got to buy your spots. I'm sure, as they always do, new races will pop up. There'll be new adjectives to the calendar. There'll be new types of things. They'll pop Add in a big night meeting one day in the carnival. Yeah. But how to, good will that be? Like on the Goldie, like it's just going to be absolutely. Yeah. As a spectator, like everyone wants to go out for the day at the races. 
but it's such a long day. Like everyone gets there early. Everyone's walking out there at five o'clock. They've been on the drink for five hours. Like it's a long day and then everyone goes home and it's not like it's hard to keep going. Like everyone wants to go out for the night, but it's too early. So now I think where they start doing night meetings where they start at 5 p.m., people can rock in, have a few drinks, watch races, and then it's they're finished and it's perfect time to go out. And yeah. You've got surface in the background. And like you said, like you'll still be able to run your restaurants and all your food. Yeah, out and there. I think it'll create a much bigger crowd. Yeah. I think people, especially through the summer, it's cool, the lights, everyone will want to get around it. Not me. I'll be in bed by six. Yeah. Got to get up early. I might change it for one of them. I think they just need to nail the lights because I remember Sunshine Coast had a few issues with the lights. So yeah. if they don't get that set up right, and it's very hard to tell until all the engineers yeah. can put everything Well, the, the Sunshine Coast is also a very big track. Yeah, and it's, true. There's not a lot around it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the atmosphere with the lights there would be completely different to the Gold Coast. I think you put Gold Coast lights over the top of the Gold Coast with surface in the background, yeah. a much smaller track with the grandstand and everything on top of it. I think it'll be... You're like you said, you're going to feel like when you're coming over the line, you're going to feel like people are like there. You're like right beside you. For I think good- the atmosphere will be completely different. And there's always a good crowd at the Goldie races. There always. is. Always. doesn't matter what weekend that is. There's always something I, going on I find Goldie. since COVID, when obviously the lockdown and everyone stopped, wasn't allowed to go out, I feel ever since then, people have really took advantage of being able to go out. After that, when everyone was allowed to go out, it was like everyone just like, oh, let's go to the races. Yeah. And I feel ever since COVID, the crowds at the Gold Coast on a Saturday of your normal meeting, like the always big pumping, pumping, yeah, yeah, absolutely pumping. I love it. I want to get um, just I love all the sitting up top, obviously in the yeah. food. I don't like being in the bleachers anymore, sweating my ring out. But I got the grommet who I can take down and you know walk around the ring, give him yeah. a look. Like that's the best spot to see all the races. But um, upstairs in the aircon somewhere, yeah. the, I've never actually been to a race day where I've sat up at the top at the Sky Restaurant and had the meals and that. Yeah, it looks good. I think one day when I'm suspended or not riding, I think I'd have to get <laughs> when around I'm suspended, it. suspended, <laughs> I've yeah. done something naughty. Ah, yeah, man. So that seems like a path that's going on. But like you said, if you concentrate on that Gold Coast Premiership and then you keep working up your weight, you're doing, you play the long game and then go, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go not sacrifice not, yeah, everything, not live in Brizzy, but I'm going to do this 100%. Like you said, not 90, not 80, just present myself. I've got a mate who just kept within rugby league. He's phenomenal. Rugby league player. There's two actually. I should both name John. Johnny Greaves and Johnny Muir. And they just kept turning up. They never played NRL, but they just showed up, showed up, showed up. And week after week, and like the coach would bash them shut some week, yeah. like, you're uh, fucking that performance of shit and drop them to reserve grade or something like that. And I was just like, are you watching the same game that everyone else is watching? Like, he was the best player on the field, but he'd just cop it on the chin. He'd just yeah. shut up. He'd just go like that. And go, yeah, all right. Where, like, Big mouth like me, have something to say back, chime up, next yeah. minute, you know, all the politics and that. And he shut his mouth and he just kept doing everything. And, mate, he got his opportunity in the end. And, I mean, he won premierships. He ended up being one of the greatest football players I've seen or played with. And same with Johnny Greaves. He got a couple of premierships at Wynnum, transferred to, like, a few other teams. Got, But he just, just through perseverance, I yeah. guess, is the best word for it. Absolute perseverance and not – I don't know what was going on in their head, like, when they got shit on. But they didn't poke a face. I think the biggest thing too, because you can easily look at someone else and compare yourself. I think it's just staying in your lane, not compare yourself to some jockeys that might be there. Why are they there? Yeah. Um, all comes with everyone has a different line to the top. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. a different 
Yeah, it's like you say, stay in your lane. I, don't, I guess it's not stay in your lane. You can branch out and do whatever you want. You but know, like focus like on like, your race, run your yeah, race. Like I might get to town at a different time or I might do it at a different speed. But like it, I think you just got to, like you said, persevere and just be consistent. Yeah. And, and they say that about marathon racing as yeah. well. You know, if you try and run, say you're faster than me and I want to beat you and I try and run your race, 10Ks into it, I'm gone. Yeah. So there's no point trying to be. And obviously, like, I'd like to be in town now. I'd like to be competing in the top 10 jockeys in town at the moment. And there's young jockeys that are. But it's you can't compare that. I've had my, what's happened with me has happened with me. Got a different story. Different things have happened. Yeah. I'm where I'm at now because of everything. And now it's just work on what I'm working on and then take my time and persevere. And if I put in the work and believe and manifest it, that's what's meant to be. People don't believe in that. No, fucking 100%. Everything you think, every if you're focused and just eyes on the prize and like this is going to happen, this is where it's going to go, you'd be surprised how many times shit happened. Like, no, it's not going to 100% out. Like, I can't just say I'm going to be a wizard in yeah. fucking six months. But, you know, if I want to do 100 podcasts, I'm going to do 100 podcasts. I'm just going to yeah. do 100. I'm going to get back. I want to surf another 10 footer. I want to surf. Get over there and get like a yeah. really big barrel. Like if you met, and that's all you. Problem is with life, you know, life gets in the way. How many distractions is just throwing it at you? Go, yeah. bam! Hey, Jake, by the way, my mates are doing this. Let's go here. Let's do that. I love looking at Ryan Maloney's sort of story. He was in Melbourne. He's always a great jockey, but he was sort of struggling in Melbourne a bit. Come to Queensland, sort of reboosted his career. Like he sort of was killing it with Toby and Trent. Got an opportunity with Golan. Won the Brisbane Metropolitan Premiership come out and won the Magic Millions and then off the back of winning the Magic Millions, opportunities in Sydney. Just He's been riding like people. It was sneaky, eh? I'd seen him on a couple of Annabelle's and a couple of other little ones at Ruffies and I'm like, this thing's going to run well here. Yeah. And he'd give them a peach so, and proved it. Like, yeah. yeah. I look at it like as much as I want to be, the goal where I want to be, I'd love to be there now already. Yeah. I think if I did things differently and chose a different path early on, I think I could have maybe been somewhere different. But I chose the path I chose, did what I did. So now it's just about getting back. Yeah, but that's hindsight. You can't. No, no. I, I know what you're saying. Oh, like, I, you relive all these moments. and like, if I just did that there yeah. and tweak this a bit. But the point is, like, I always talk about it. I don't know how many times I say over and over, point zero, point zero, or starting again. Yeah. And then everything is moving forward from here. So it's like, this is me path. This is the go. Yeah. But you've got to live and die by your decisions as well. Yeah, and, like, I don't regret anything. I've enjoyed every bit of it. I still enjoy riding. I'm still hungry to get where I am, get where I want to be. So I think, and because I am still younger, I think a lot of them say that you're not probably a fully furnished rider till you're in your 30s. So I think I've still got five or 10 years to really grow, polish myself. Pick up some sneaky little jag-like secrets. Guess what? If I do this, I'm going to go bang, inside, outside. So I think, yeah, it's just keep over the next five or 10 years, as long as I'm still hungry and want to achieve those things i just work hard and hopefully in hopefully five or ten years later i'm talking a different story so what are you doing outside of racing what's your you still surfing banging them out no so i haven't been surfing a lot lately why i just lost the bug for it a little bit i think comes and goes doesn't it yeah so i haven't i've probably surfed once in the last two months wow and i when i the times i go out it's only ordinary so it's just like oh 
what's the point? It's the same as anything though. Like you got to get those first two or three surfs out of the way, find your feet and the wax again. And yeah. oh, mate, why, why did I stop doing this? Yeah. But then when you ask that question, next minute it's flat for two weeks. Yeah, and you're so, like, oh, so I went through a phase where, because I'm always on and off with it. And mm. I went through a phase probably six to 12 months ago where I was, went through about three months of surfing every day, got the bug for it. I was loving it. And then I went off again. But lately, I yeah, haven't been surfing much and I was just, as we were talking earlier, finding the balance with training and that. I've really slowed up the training in the gym because I was bulking a little bit, trial and error with a few things. Now it's more still do me boxing training twice a week, do the occasional little run or swim. I was getting into the running a bit there actually, but I find it hard to sort of maintain and keep. Because it does drain a lot of calories and a lot of energy. Yeah, so I was run every day i'd run three or four days a week for about two three weeks and then i've stopped running but i've stuck to the boxing i get i like the boxing twice a week with a pt getting some good hands on you too so i just like that's i feel like it's good movement now it's more probably maintaining by doing less I feel like sometimes try and do too much and then i sort of burn out well that's that rolling peak as well like you said, like before we were talking about all the food and everything and being absolutely 100% flying, you can't stay there. So it's like there and then timing, all right, timing your run, all right, I'm going to give you 12, like I'm 10 weeks or 11 weeks into the marathon now, left me run late, coming yep. off back a few injuries. But I know that 10 or 11 weeks will be nearly enough to get yep. me there. And then probably 16 and I'll be peaking where I should be and then I'll have to back it off for four to eight and I'll have to go for another 12 to 16 and then I'll be probably at my absolute peak Yep. performance but that's a what's that 16 32 plus an eight week image that's 40 weeks that's nearly a year process yeah it's gone crazy. right there like and i know like i need 16 weeks to pit it and i need eight weeks to back off and i need 16 weeks to go again yeah that's done it's crazy yeah but now that i've got the diet and everything under control my weight's good i can afford to back off a bit yeah and now riding more track work going up to brisbane of a morning a couple of times a week riding a lot of track work here on the gold coast and more just trying to ride more often. Now that my weight's good, I'm, I can ride those lighter yeah. weights through the week. I can ride on the Sunday. Enjoying it as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's good. So yeah. the hardest thing for me was always the weight. So like it became a chore to go to, the, to, go to work. It was yeah. a bit of a chore. So I think if you can get that balance and get your weight right, it becomes more of a you enjoy it a lot more. So I'm hungrier to go to the races more through the week. I'm, I want to ride most as much days as I can. So it's more just now that I'm – I find the last probably three or four months I've been a lot busier riding at more meetings and stuff like that. And that comes with trying to, the more you're riding, the more opportunities you're going to find. So mm. just trying to ride as much as I can. Yeah. It's like I can do as much training as I want for running or I can do as much surf training as I want. But if I'm not surfing 10 times a week, then yeah. I'm still not going to go as surfing. So yeah, on the horse and like you said, okay, what? So travels on the other week, spoke about all his fall and everything like that. It was yep. intense. It was fucking big journey, that bloke. But he actually like described and told us like how you actually engage, toes in the stirrups, like legs tight and like your whole movement and all that through within the horse. So what sports do you think actually help or benefit? Like does surfing help or does it I bring you back or I don't know. what do you reckon? It's- I don't know. Because you've done a bit of the uh, the full gym movement. You're in there with Next Level and that, yeah. boxing, surfing. I mean, you're an athlete and everything. So Yeah, it's sort of hard to pinpoint one direct thing. I mm. think it's like a lot of the riding comes through strength. I don't think it's not necessarily – obviously, you, you want to be strong, but I think it's all strength and more like agility, like movement, being loose. So I think surfing, a lot of it comes through like it's great movement, balance, stuff like that. I think – 
I've never been able to pinpoint one exercise. I just think it's, I don't know. I felt super fit and strong when I was in the gym training, doing the strength and cardio and all that kind of thing. But then I've also, I just think it's all sort of, if you can tick over and be doing something, whether it's now I try and do two to three days a week workout where I'm go down to the park at the bars. I do the chin-ups, sit-ups, push-ups. Even that's just enough to tick over. And then obviously with the two days a week boxing, that's an hour there of boxing training where you're just smashing pads and moving and just keeping the body free, I think. And I do a lot of recovery. I spend probably an hour to two hours nearly every single day at Riggs Recovery in the saunas, ice baths, hot pools. And I feel like that's just a nice balance between you're not burning your body too hard, but then you're coming back, recovering, eating well, yeah. just feeling yeah. feeling loose. Hub, Hubberman, uh, Human Lab, he did a good podcast on recovery and that, and they dead set say it should be one-to-one. If you're doing an hour of boxing, you need to do an hour of recovery. Yeah. So ice bars, everything, stretching, replenishing your body. So I, I started a routine where I'd – so on mornings where I wasn't riding, I'd first thing in the morning go and do an hour at rigs. So what's Riggs? What have they got in there? So Riggs Recovery, they've got like your it's recovery center. They've got your infrared saunas. They've got your leg compression room upstairs. They've got two hot spas, but then they've got a big hot pool and a big cold pool filled with magnesium, the steam room. And then they've got a few extras in there that are, they've got like the Cairo chamber. They've got another thing where you lie in. It's like an oxygen chamber thing. I've never tried it. Okay, right. Yeah, right. Okay. I've never actually tried it. I don't know what it is, but. I usually just use the facility for the saunas, the steam rooms, obviously to sweat and Do you have like a membership or what's the go? Yeah, so you can pay I think it's twenty five dollars for a casual. You can stay there as long as you like. But I I've been a member there for a long time now and you pay your monthly thing and I can use the facility as much that's as it. I want. Because that's what I found, RMC around the corner, there's no membership. Yeah. And it's like if I'm in there doing baths, infrared and something else, I could be ticking up like 300 bucks a week. Yeah, and it becomes steep. And then yeah. also with RMC, you have a time limit in the sauna. Yeah. So you get your half an hour sauna and then you use the pools. Whereas at Riggs, I can go there at 8, 6 o'clock in the morning. I could leave at 3 in the afternoon. Just hang out. Just hang out. And That's, I find when I've got a lot of time on my hands through the day where I don't have a lot on, I find myself there in the morning, afternoon, just killing time. It becomes good too because I'm also ticking over with my Yeah. I'm getting a sweat in. Speed, like the, they say that the hot and cold speeds up your metabolism and stuff like that. So I'm just Cancels always – all your brown fat. Yeah. Everything. I'm always just ticking over. Man, that's the one thing I've found about here. Like off the tools, you know, I've been in building my whole life, build a company and building and, you know, I'm a lot just in the office, like organization, scheduling, all that, which leads into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, which we've got set up now. But I, I don't leave home yeah. and it's starting to eat. I walk inside and by the afternoon, I do, I grab the boy, Sonny, what do you want to do in the RV? He's at that two-year-old, oh, skate park, bike ride, sweet. That's me. Let's go get out of the house. But I don't even want to eat at home. If I get an opportunity with Elle, like, I'm like, because oh, I used to love cooking. I'm like, Elle, we're going out for lunch. Yeah. Let's, let's go. I need to get out of here. So something like Riggs, okay, my dream, I've been saying this on repeat. I had a, I sat down for like eight, 10 hours the other day and I'm like, fuck this, I'm going to think about what I want. This is what I want. And I just pictured the best thing in the whole entire world that I possibly could. And it was like a place like Rick Shaw's or uh, North Burley Surf Club. But it was just like gym mats everywhere. There was training. There was everything going on. And then there was mad recovery in the corner and sauna. And I just thought if I could live that, that'd be the best life and have the podcast over there. 
and have everyone come in and just train, open up, check the waves, we, get some boards. I, I see a lot of those kind of facilities in Bali. Yeah. I've never been there, but I see like they're, it's like a community. They have the gym there. They have the pools, recoveries right by the beach. They have the cafes. The coffee store. I, thought, I just thought that would be the best life ever. So we can actually – so now I'm like, Briggs would be good because I'd go there as well and hang out there for two, three hours. Like I'm not talking to Elle or, or the boy even though we work from home. Like I'm still knee-deep in work. So to be able to do a sauna, come out, do an hour of work, two hours, sit in the corner, even somewhere like that. I know you probably can't take your computer in the steam. That'd be idiotic yeah. or the sauna, fucking burn it straight away. But, you know, like that sort of thing in and around here or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, so I've always wanted to – it's a little bit harder with a rental, like it can be done, but I've also, I've always wanted to set myself, like when I have a house to set like own kind of rigs up. Yeah. I'd love to get like a chest freezer. It'd be all right for you. But like I said, like I want to do that here. I looked at buying infrareds and buying ice pools and now I'm like, I don't want to, because I won't leave this place, you know what I mean? It'll be like a jail. So then that's, as you say, it is good to get out. Like it's my kind of thing where if I'm sitting around, like you said, you get stuck at home sitting around next minute I'm scrolling on my phone yeah. for hours doing oh, nothing. Just burning through fucking absolute nothingness. Eh? Yeah. So for me, it's wake up, start the day, do an hour there, kill an hour or two, you leave there, you feel good. It's amazing. But it's about that community as well. Look, I'd love to have you, all the boys training there or hanging out. So you yeah. know. A lot of the people that go there regularly, you see them there all the time. So you Make new friends, you meet new people, yep. you get good chats. I've, I've had some crazy chats in the steam room with people, people's different journeys and why they're there and stuff. It's good. It's a good little. Well, that's what this podcast is about now. Like everyone like reaches for big names or something like that. Now, I'd, I just want to do a hundred people and their stories because every time you have that chat, you're like, are you serious? Like, what do you mean? And then, you know, you're in the sauna for 45 minutes doing that. But just to have that community. You, you literally get stuck in a chat and then you forget you're in the steam yeah. room. Next minute you're cooking, you're like, oh, I've got to go, I've got to yeah. get out. Yeah. It also burns that time. There's other times when no one's in there, it's 10 minutes and you're like, oh, it's yeah. only 10 minutes. Checking the clock. But uh, yeah, that whole building that community. And I guess I get that and I miss that from rugby league. So yeah. the one thing that I miss is training ah before you get there or in the sheds after the game, ah, yeah. you know, a team song or something like that. As a group. But if you just had it like unbelievable, like we go running Saturday morning, the tap, tap, tap crew, bunch of old boys. <laughs> They're not that old actually. I'm probably the oldest there. Yeah. But, you know, Boogsy just retired from the NRL, all guys. But it's not really about running. It's just about it's, getting together. Yeah, that whole chat. We do 10, 15 Ks before we run out of things to talk about. And then we yeah. realize we've got to come home and the battle begins. You know, you get a little man in your head. But uh, even the coffee after it, I'd love to have a headquarters where that happened every day. I know yeah. that's fantasy land. We all got to work and we all got to do certain things. But just to have that like base community home, a bunch of unreal fucking humans yeah. and to spend time with them every day. And it only, like, this is one of the main reasons I'm doing the podcast again now is because it motivates me. As I get so much out of it just as much as anybody else. So like you talking about your story and coming on here and where you're heading and where you're doing, like all I want to do is go, fuck yeah, I want to get into rigs and like hang out with Jag and do it yeah. like, and then do some more recovery. My brother did my brother the other day and he's doing like all like a balanced sort of training mentorship for the next six months about diaphragm, breathing, yeah. all proper movements. And he's been training like that for two years. But now all I want to do is to do that with him. So your motivation levels go through the roof just by talking and hanging around people. Yeah. And I think that as well. Imagine if we just did this every day. And that way, if you're ever out of check, you'd have a group or a team nearly. Yeah. You just go, oh, what are you doing? Where have you been the last week? I can get yeah. back in here. Sort yeah, of tap sure. in a lot. 
Because, you know, to do it all that and have that mentality, the strict mentality, the all-in mentality, it's a toll. you got to burn a lot of bridges. And I'm just thinking of ways, not burn bridges, but like, it's a lot about yourself. You're at Riggs, you're at Eagle Farm, you're doing that. I just wish there would be a way to incorporate nearly like a Mark Wahlberg entourage sort of situation, <laughs> you know. We take everyone where we're going, you know. My company and business is going, the podcast is going there, good. I'm going to take all my friends and family with me. You're going racing and doing that. Good. Let's share this journey and go together. So, you know, you got yeah. back end support of everyone there and just who just wants to see you successful. I think that'd be something. And that's, I guess, what I'm trying to grow here. But yeah, yeah. That, that's the dream anyway. Nah, so, for sure. Oh, but we're rounding out on about an hour. Happy Beautiful. with that. Nah, stoked. Good yeah. to have a chat again. Fucking oath. And like I said, we're going to stay on this journey. So, mate, six weeks, eight weeks after you bang a few more winners, get back in here. Bring yep. in one of the boys. Yep. Bring in someone else, we'll start chatting about that. And life's that busy, lots happening. So hopefully next time we jump on, there'll be something new. Yeah. Something might, new going on. Mate, I might actually get a podcast room. I might just start doing it at rigs. Start yeah. to set up somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. I've got all these ideas. So we'll no, see how we go. It's good. All right. Give us a like, share, follow. Um, you can see Jag on all his socials. He's going to put up some content as well. So what we do with our content now, and rather than just sit here and watch us talk, is we integrate all his sort of photos, all his videos, shit that he's doing so you can really get to know the guest along the way. That's going to be on YouTube. All our little five-minute, five-second clips and little videos, that'll be on Instagram and TikTok at Any Given Chance Podcast or at Any Given Chance. There's two handles and enjoy. What I'll do is I'll drop box you just some samples of diets, food ideas, yes. a couple of training clips, and then maybe some recent winners yeah a couple of things like that everything like you said like some of you like go into your story archive this is what i tell everyone go into your story archive because you're basically sharing your journey every day anyway 90 percent of people do you got some really good content in there all your steaks all your cooking like you said your diet what you sort of follow that day yeah and i'll also get a couple things that i've got from paul saladino which who's basically taught me everything about the animal-based diet a couple of interesting points there and i know l my wife she's full into that because i just touch base quickly on that after she gave birth to sunny she got a crazy autoimmune syndrome susac like it attacks your ears so basically crazy. blind and deaf they picked it up within two weeks they reckon she could have been blind and deaf but everything everyone we spoke to about it didn't speak about diet, diet. I, I kept asking them diet and then i was just like look autoimmune syndrome paul saying all this great stuff and switch it up the good thing about him too is he was a certified doctor who went to university and high degrees, everything. Yeah. So he's been there and been here and he's just putting it into a perspective of, hey, let's look at it from a different view. Instead of everyone just wants to go to the doctor, get medication, That's right. do this. Instead, he breaks it down very great to how a lot of it stems from your gut and what you're eating and Correct. your health. It's been a great educational page for me. I love following his videos. He's yeah. always learning. And he explains it. Yeah, so he's not just talking crap. He's actually got the fact behind it yeah. to back it up. So he's given you all this education, but also it's, he's got the facts there behind him to back it up. And explains it in a way that us non-doctors, I mean, there's Dr. Sean Baker, Paul Saladino, there's a bunch of Carvanol guys, a few good books out there. That A lot of it is beginner Carvanol stuff now. Once you get past that, like where we're at, you really want to get into the nitty gritty and why and what microbiome's doing yeah. and how does this affect and your inflammation in your body. But that's another podcast we'll do, eh? Yeah. Yeah. All right, people. Thanks very much. I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me on. Woo! Wow. That was the Any Given Chance podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
now. If you want to see some more action, head over to our socials and give us a like, share, and subscribe. We're on YouTube at the Any Given Chance podcast and on Instagram and TikTok at Any Given Chance. And if you can hit share and subscribe, much appreciated as we grow. Plus, we're always looking for new guests. So if you know someone in the midst of a battling good little bit of adversity or someone who's been successful, message us direct. We always check out inbox. And of course, if you want to check out old episodes, repurposed ones, you can jump over to our website, which is anygivenchancepodcast.org. Thanks for joining us once again. I'm your host, 3AM365, Maddie Menion. No days off, no excuses, and I can't wait to catch you on the next one.